Good morning. From the newsroom of the Financial Times, today is Thursday, March 21st, and this is your FT News Briefing. Today, the Federal Reserve signals it will hold rates steady all year as economic growth slows. Levi Strauss returns to the stock market with a $6.6 billion valuation, and retailer Williams-Sonoma delivers a rosy outlook for the year. But first... Two years on, MPs have been unable to agree on a way to implement the UK's withdrawal. That's Prime Minister Theresa May on Wednesday. Earlier in the day, the EU delivered an ultimatum to the UK. Either pass Mrs May's Brexit deal, or they won't grant an extension to the Brexit process. As a result, we will now not leave on time with a deal on the 29th of March. Now MPs have a choice. Pass Mrs May's deal next week, or crash out of the EU on March 29th with no deal. Mrs May will go before the European Council today in Brussels to formally discuss her application for a short extension. Now you want us to get on with it. And that is what I am determined to do. To explain what's going on, we're turning to the FT's Whitehall editor and writer of our Brexit briefing newsletter, James Blitz, who called in from Westminster. Well, I think when most political correspondents uh, woke up on Wednesday morning, they had a bit of a shock. And that is because uh, Theresa May drastically changed the approach she was taking to the Brexit negotiations. Up until Wednesday, what she'd basically been saying was this. If I get my Brexit deal through the House of Commons before March the 29th, I will apply for a short extension of the Article 50 process, which basically leaves us in the EU until around the end of June, so we can tidy up all the things to do with our departure. And if I don't get my deal through the Commons, then I'm going to apply for a very long extension, lasting around 21 months, so that the British can completely rethink their whole approach to Brexit. What she did was to basically say, actually, I've changed my mind. We're just going to apply for a very short extension up to June the 30th at the very latest. And that's worried a lot of people, a lot of pro-Europeans, and a lot of people who don't want us to crash out without a deal, because that very short extension, if it were to happen, just wouldn't be long enough to completely rethink the Brexit process. And a lot of MPs think that because she said that, the chances of us leaving with no deal between now and the end of June have gone up quite a bit. So why are EU leaders so opposed to an extension, particularly a long extension? Well, what the EU is basically saying is, actually, you can only really go until June. You really have got no choice now but to pass this deal and have a very short extension. Otherwise, there's nothing else we can offer you. Now, the reason why the Europeans are saying that is I actually think they would like Mrs. May to get this deal through next week. So both they and Mrs. May are putting a lot of pressure on MPs to basically say, look, if you don't pass this thing now, it's a short extension and a real possibility of no deal. And so that's why you've also had this rather hard reaction from Donald Tusk and the Europeans. I believe that a short extension will be possible, but it will be conditional on a positive vote on the withdrawal agreement in the House of Commons. What can actually practically happen next since Brexit Day is next week? I think the situation as it now stands is as follows. Mrs May is going to bring this deal for a vote to the House of Commons for one last time next Tuesday or Wednesday. That's the first thing. If she wins it, 
then all is straightforward. We have a short extension and we leave some time between the end of June and at least for the time being, financial markets and outside observers and investors all relax. If she doesn't win it, at the moment she's saying, I'm not going to have any extension beyond June. And the Europeans are saying no extension beyond June. But I think if she gets into a situation where she's last around Tuesday or Wednesday, I actually think they will relax in the end, get together before the end of the week, before the critical cliff edge on the 29th, and actually agree a long extension. I think that's what will happen. Nobody wants the UK to crash out without a deal. However, I think if things do go down that road, I find it very hard to see how Mrs May would be able to stay on as Prime Minister because she's really very clearly said, I don't want a deal beyond the end of June. What are the political prospects of the deal right now? Would it actually pass in the House of Commons? It's really hard to say. I think the betting of most people is it won't. As you know, she has a very substantial deficit that she has to overcome to get the vote through. She lost uh, last week by a margin of about 145 votes. So she has to get around 72, 73 MPs on board if she is going to win the vote early next week. Now, her hope is that she's going to win quite a lot of opposition Labour MPs over to her side who really fear no deal. And she hopes that they're going to think, my goodness, if I don't back this thing, we could have this very short extension at the very, very best, which leaves us leaving the EU with no deal in the next few weeks. So she's hoping she's going to get those people on board. But it's a very, very high mountain to climb. And I don't think a lot of people are confidently betting, if any people are confidently betting, that she's going to do it. You said earlier that the chances of a no-deal Brexit have gone up quite a bit. What would that look like? I don't think there's any question that if we do crash out without a deal, it's going to have very severe consequences for the UK economy, for parts of the European economy, and also for financial markets. I don't think no deal is really priced into markets. The consequences in terms of trade between Britain and the EU, especially because of our heavy reliance on some very, very busy trade arteries, It's going to be hugely disruptive. So for that reason, I think everybody is going to try and make sure this thing doesn't happen, not only on March the 29th, but later. But one can't be 100% sure. There is a certain amount of doubt. This whole Brexit saga is heading towards the cliff edge in a far more worrying way than people had imagined. I think most people didn't think the thing would still be wide open in the way it is at this very late stage. Here's the rest of the news you need to start your day. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. That's Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell during a press conference following the central bank's March meetings in Washington. Fed members decided unanimously to keep the target range for the federal funds rate between 2.25 and 2.5 percent. That's where it's been since December. Late last year, Fed officials implied there would be two additional rate increases in 2019. Now, they're implying there will be none. We continue to expect that the American economy will grow at a solid pace in 2019, 
although likely slower than the very strong pace of 2018. U.S. central bankers downgraded their expectations for U.S. economic growth this year to 2.1 percent. In December, they forecast growth at 2.3 percent. Since last year, however, we've noted some developments at home and around the world that bear close attention. Some of the biggest external risks to the U.S. economy and financial sector are still present, things such as what happens with Brexit and the U.S.-China trade talks. Also on Wednesday, the Fed said that come September, it would stop the process of winding down the size of its balance sheet. It had been shrinking it since 2017. The Fed balance sheet had ballooned to $4.5 trillion after the financial crisis as the central bank tried to boost the U.S. economy. The yield on U.S. government bonds fell sharply on the latest Fed statement. Investors are now pricing in a 40% chance of a rate cut by the end of the year, up from about 25% earlier this week. San Francisco-based jeans company Levi Strauss is heading back to the public markets today, and it's priced its shares above expectations. Levi raised $623 million through the sale of 36.7 million shares. That's $17 apiece. The company had indicated a price range of $14 to $16. The offering gives Levi's an initial market value of $6.6 billion. Levi's previously went public in 1971, but it was taken private by the family in a $1.7 billion leveraged buyout in 1985. Shares will begin trading this morning on the New York Stock Exchange. In a nod to the iconic blue jean maker, the New York Stock Exchange is breaking its strict dress code for the day to allow traders to wear Levi's on the floor. And in another sign that some traditional brands are staging a revival, the upmarket American home and kitchenware retailer William Sonoma said yesterday that it expects to bring in better-than-anticipated revenues and earnings for its fiscal 2019 year. The San Francisco-based company also owns brands including Pottery Barn and furniture and home goods chain West Elm. The group also delivered better-than-expected adjusted earnings during the busy holiday quarter. While William Sonoma faces competition from Amazon and Wayfair, The retailer is using new tools to keep shoppers coming back, including technology that helps customers better visualize how products would look in their homes. It's also built out a vertically integrated supply chain, essentially controlling the design and distribution of its products. Shares in Williams-Sonoma are up 13% year-to-date at almost $57 a piece. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be following the latest developments on Brexit and the start of trading for Levi Strauss on the New York Stock Exchange. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for all the latest business news. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.